So I don't have any automation on anything. I read everybody's questions myself. I look at their profile for every single person. I check, do I think they're a good fit, even if they've answered the right questions? And then I go through the process of friend requesting them, messaging them and accepting them in. And I do all of that myself. And I think that's really important. Some people are very quick with their auto-approves or very quick with, yeah, let them in, 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 because they're just numbers. To me, they're not. So I am strict on that. Hello, and welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. On today's episode, I am chatting to Zoe McEwen. Zoe used to be a school teacher and is now an expert in teaching people like you how to grow engaged communities with a focus on Facebook groups. And this is a very timely episode on Facebook groups because all the action is taking place inside my Facebook group this week. If you haven't signed up to be part of my free Grow Your Audience in Three Days Challenge yet, I can now safely say that you're missing out. Hundreds of entrepreneurial women have joined already and are taking part right now, but you still have time. If you're listening to this live, this episode's coming out on the 7th of October, then you have until Tuesday the 11th of October at 12 noon to sign up to the challenge, watch the replays, they're just 30 minutes long, and complete the tasks before the big finale, the Grow Your Audience Masterclass on Tuesday the 11th of October at 8pm. And the link to sign up and join us is nikkihutchison.com forward slash October 2022 dash challenge. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. If you want to race ahead and sign up for the masterclass, then do that right now via this link, nikkihutchison.com forward slash October 2022 dash masterclass. We'll pop that in the links as well. Now on with today's episode with Zoe. So hi, Zoe. We finally managed to chat on the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Yeah, very well. Excellent. We've been trying to get together and have this conversation for a while now. So it's lovely to see you. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know what it is that you do? Yes. So I'm Zoe McEwen. Facebook groups is really my specialism. I am not a social media expert. I'm quite clear that I think it's quite a different place, a group or a community to the things that you share on social media. But yeah, helping people to grow, establish, maintain, and also sell using their online community. Brilliant. And you have a thriving group. What's your Facebook group called? Growing a Successful Online Community. Brilliant. And how long have you had that group? I have had that group two years. And give us some insights. I'm just putting you on the spot straight away. What have you done to grow your own group that's worked really well, would you say? So what I do is I'm doing nothing different than just, you know, anybody else that sets up a Facebook group. And I've listened on your previous podcasts about, you know, consistency and things like that. And of course, those are important things. So I am quite specific about activities that I do with like breadcrumbing, with chatting in other groups, being visible in other groups. People will say to me, oh, I do loads of breadcrumbing. And when I actually 
delve into what it is they're doing, they're maybe just putting the odd comment in a group every now and again. For these things to work, you've got to really get involved in a conversation with somebody. You've got to establish some kind of, even for a small amount of time, some kind of relationship and connection so that they will look you up and follow you. If you're just mindlessly putting the odd comment in groups, it doesn't really count as breadcrumbing. It may help you to get a bit more visible, but I think it's just, I work in a more strategic way with it. Growth is part of my business. So not a sideline to what I do. It's a really integral part of everything. And if somebody's listening and wondering what exactly is breadcrumbing, could you explain that to them? Such a weird word, isn't it? It's you chatting to people in groups with the hope that, uh, yeah, that you'll make a connection and they'll look you up and follow you. So you may be giving support to somebody. You may just be chatting to somebody and not even talking about what you do at all, which is a good way to build a relationship. You may be showing some empathy for something. If somebody said, I've had a really bad day or I've had the best, you may be showing some empathy around that and building a little bit of a rapport. The other way breadcrumbing works, so getting yourself visible in other people's groups, is if you just stick to just a few groups. I would say three groups at a time. If you're in loads of groups, this is not going to work. That's one of the mistakes people make. Because the best way to get breadcrumbing to work for you is if you get known for something in that group and then everybody else starts to refer you as well. So if there's groups that you feel comfortable in, so if it's not my niche, but say I'm in a group for people that love to drink coffee, if that's a group where I feel really comfortable and really love it and I'm very at ease with the conversation and the people in the group because it's my thing and I love to drink coffee, so I'm going to join this conversation, that is a great place to start with your breadcrumbing. And then you get known as, eventually, people will start looking me up or have conversations. They'll be like, oh, Zoe, she's you know the lady that does the online communities. And then if there is anybody in the group who is working online, and chances are there are people who are drinking coffee and working online, eventually that will come around and people will say, oh, you need to speak to Zoe. You need to speak to Zoe. And then I start getting tagged on things. And that's how you reach sort of the next level of your breadcrumbing. But it takes consistency in the same groups. It's not about spreading yourself too thinly. That doesn't really work. I think that's a really great point and really interesting that you limit it to three. And that makes complete sense the way that you've explained it. And how do you identify the best groups to do this breadcrumbing activity in? So you can do them in places where you think your ideal client will be. That's kind of obvious. So I could put in groups like a search for somebody that's going to mention a Facebook group, online community, so that I could directly find conversations that were relevant to what I did so that I could chat to people and help and support them. And then hopefully they'll look me up. Or as I said, I think the best way to start is just groups that you feel comfortable in. If you're comfortable in a group and you love it, and even if that group is about a particular breed of dog that you've got, chances are you'll attract similar people in there If you're in there, there'll be other people that do your thing, people that work with children or confidence. Even if you're in a group around dog breeders, there will be people that are struggling with something to do with their children or confidence. It's not always a natural conversation that you get into. But once you establish relationships with those people and you see that work, they will look you up. And actually, that is a nice, soft way to get yourself into breadcrumbing. Because I think what people do is they try too hard to find groups where their ideal client are definitely going to be, and then they just get disappointed. So you've got to think a bit more creatively, I suppose, is what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. 
And are you the kind of person who will schedule in time to do that so that you don't forget? Or does it just happen a bit more organically for you? It's a bit more organically, but it isn't every day. I, so I tend to do like 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon. So if I've started a conversation with somebody in the morning, then I'll make sure that I continue the conversation. I don't particularly schedule as a certain time, but I know that those groups I'm going to be looking in, they're going to come up in my newsfeed. I have a very strict rule, which I say with my clients, like you can only scroll for five posts and then you have to comment. Five posts, comment or get out. I like that challenge. (laughs) That's it. If you don't limit it to five, you will scroll forever. Okay, so you started your own group and you obviously work with other clients who have different communities. What would you say you've observed as maybe some of your clients have grown fabulous groups or other groups that you're a part of have grown pretty rapidly? What do you say is key to that happening? Yeah, so like you, everything I do is organic. I mean, lots of people are going to be running ads and they used to work brilliantly. It's not so much now. So everything I do is organic. The people whose groups grow the quickest are those that get found the easiest, those that are the most visible in as many places as possible. And those people are very good at directing people back to their group. So it's not enough to be passive about it and just hope that people will go on your profile and find the link. You have to actually keep saying, this is my group. I would love it if you joined. And the other thing that people forget is that what's happening in your group or your community is not visible externally. So particularly if it's a Facebook group, it's closed. So nobody knows what fabulous conversation is happening in there. Nobody knows there's a brilliant new PDF you've just uploaded that's going to really help them. Nobody knows that you're going to offer a workshop or a private session that's free for members to attend unless you tell everybody externally. So the people that I work with tend to focus too much on their community and their group and not enough on what's happening externally. And that's classic for all businesses, isn't it? You know, when you start up, you focus on your clients and getting the work done and you forget that actually to get that continuation of sales and new clients coming in, you've got to work as hard on the business itself. So one of the things that I talk about is what is the reason people should join your group? So I say, what is the reason people should join your group? And people will say to me, oh, because we do meditation sessions or we talk about this. You know, they'll give me an answer based around their niche, whatever the thing is that they do. And I'll be like, okay, well, that's fine. So yeah, I might need that and I might join your group at some point. But actually we want is a reason to join your group today, this week, because it's quite an effort joining someone's group. And I like that. I think that's good. I think we don't want just everybody in there. We do want people that search us out, make a conscious decision, answer the group entry questions, come in, switch on the notifications, comment a little bit so that they're in. But unless you give them something that is really going to spark that interest, they'll think, yeah, I will join that group, but they won't actually do it. So you have to think of something and you have to be really specific and you have to be doing that as often as you can. I call it the tipping point. You need people to get to that tipping point where not joining the group is no longer an option because it looks so great. Yes, absolutely. And when you're running a group, you know what's happening in there. You know how brilliant it is. And it's finding new and exciting and different ways to share with everybody else how brilliant that is. And once people have arrived into your group, do you have any specific activities or ways that you welcome them in so that they stay engaged? Because 
it's important, isn't it, to get new members engaged as quickly as possible? Yeah, I think you've probably got about two weeks. Not two weeks for them to buy from you, but two weeks to get them loyal. So if they've not commented or engaged in some way in the first two weeks, they probably never will. They'll stay in the background unless you do something really creative that touches them. But if they haven't commented in those first two weeks, then it's going to be difficult for them anyway, unless they actively remember they're in your group because they're not going to see the notifications, the algorithm. So they're going to have to work a bit harder. So we now get the welcome post thing if you're in using Facebook groups. I do an original video every time. The more original material you can put in Facebook or anywhere, the better. So if you're repeating a welcome message that's the same every time, eventually Facebook will stop sharing it because it will not be original. So when you say you do an original welcome video every time, how often are you doing those? How many members have to join, you know, at one time? About once a week because you get that welcome post once a week for every sort of members who joined this week. I just record on my phone two minutes I just do a little video and just pick up my phone and I just say who I am and it's unscripted. So it's completely different every time. I think a lot of people in my group rewatch and I try and say something different about my approach each time. I add that with the tags and a different message and it tends to get response. But welcome messages are really hard for everybody. They're really hard to get traction on because the people you're tagging have not been in your group before. So there's nothing to signpost them from Facebook or from themselves. It's just like this void. So it is really hard for everybody. It is. When I welcome people to the group, I friend request everybody. I do send them a message and I do approve them at the same time. So there's like a chunk of three things happening. So I hope that that alerts people. But it is tricky. Do you find that the friend requesting really helps? Does that make a big difference? I like it because I run it as my business and I run Facebook as this is my business. So if you want to be in my group, I want to be friends with you, business friends. I don't do Facebook as a personal. So my friends wouldn't connect with me, probably don't even know I work in Facebook. They just wouldn't find me. So it's personal preference. I find I like that because then we can get involved in a conversation. But that's the only time I message people is when they join the group, just as a polite, like, thank you for finding me. Thank you for joining. Here's some information about what I do. And I like to keep as much of the conversation in Facebook as I can. So once you start to take your conversations off into Messenger, you will slightly dampen what happens in your group. So I rarely talk to anybody in Messenger after that first message. And as a group owner both of us, and I'm sure anyone who's listening who has a Facebook group as well, or maybe people who are considering it, there are definitely times when it's a bit more challenging than others to try and summon up the energy to keep your group as engaged as possible. What would you say to somebody who has maybe fallen out of love with their group, but they don't want to give up on it? They really want to reinvigorate that group what would you say to them to do? Yeah. So I would say talk about anything other than your niche. Stay well clear of whatever it is that is your business. That's in opposition to what we would think we would do. And that's because they've seen it, they've heard it, they can find it elsewhere. What they want is you. They want to know whether you burnt your breakfast, fell off your bike, have you put your heating on? All of those things that are like going through the rest of our heads, because those are the things that Facebook was made for. So if we stick with those, we shouldn't be surprised. People always are, but we shouldn't be surprised that people are interested in that kind of stuff. That is 
what scrolling is all about, finding that quick five second thing that makes you go, oh yeah, that's me. I connect with that. I want to comment. And we talk about engagement. And for me, engagement posts are slightly different. So my background was a secondary school teacher. So a lot of what I teach and the way I train is based on everything I did as a classroom teacher. It's the same thing. Your group, imagine you're a class teacher. So you've got those 30 kids and you need to keep them all engaged in some way. They're not all going to react at the same time to the same thing. So we have to be creative. But if we just arrive in the room and just talk about one thing, you know, you just talk about maths, you know, it's dull and it's boring and it's monotonous. But if we can have two minutes talking about something else at the beginning of the lesson, and if occasionally we can have a bit of a laugh about something, if we can change the pace of the lesson, maybe even put some music on or turn your chairs around or whatever it is. So people come alive with a little bit of that. So they're more interested. So two of the things we have to do is obviously we want to get people in and we want to get them engaged. And the reason we put our engagement posts is so that we get people really feeling comfortable to comment, not for engagement's sake because we can't control what people comment on. You know, the same in a class. If I'm going to ask questions of the children in the class, I'm not going to make it really difficult to begin with. I'm going to make them really easy, just general things. So they get comfortable talking to me, comfortable putting their hand up. And that's the same in a Facebook group. So if I ask questions like, do you have butter on your sandwich? There's no judgment. (laughs) There's no right or wrong to that one. So we can all get involved in that conversation. Then we might have a nice conversation. They then realize, well, I'm okay. You know, Zoe's not scary. Nikki's fine. She was interested and listened. And we had a bit of a laugh about butter or whatever it is. And I might come back and I might comment again. And they'll be a little bit more inclined to see things through the notifications as well. And the other thing, the second thing to do, which people forget, and this is why groups can go stagnant and we can fall out of love with them. Well, I suppose one of the reasons is we don't get a reward back. So if we're not able to monetize the group, if we're not able to get people buying our services or whatever, that's really tricky. So we need to be clear from the outset that that's what we want. And we need to set our goals and our purpose for the group very much around that. Again, when I ask people, you know, what is the reason you have a group? They'll say to me, oh, because I want to help people with confidence or I want to help people to choose the right primary school for their children or whatever. And I'll be like, well, is it not really that you need to earn £2,000 a month from this group and have 10 sales? And they'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, well, let's just start there. Let's be absolutely honest about what we need. And then there's transparency. Obviously, you're not going to go in your group and say, I need 10 of you to buy my thing. But we are going to be honest from the beginning that I run this as a business and I give my time to you to support you, but actually this is a business. And then the other thing is not giving people a reason to stay. So if people don't feel that there is any more to come, they will drift away. And you will too, as a group owner. If you feel like you've given all you can give and it's just not giving anything in return, you'll drift away. So things like saying to them, I'm doing this brilliant new course. And when I finished in a couple of months, I'm going to come back and I'm going to explain to you all about it. I'm reading this book. I'm loving it at the moment. I'm not going to give anything away, but there's some things in there that I'm going to talk about with you over the coming weeks. So you have to give people a reason to think, oh yeah, I might hang around a bit more. Zoe or Nikki, they're going places. So if you don't show them that you are going somewhere, that you've got more to come, more of a journey, more to offer in the posts, in the way you talk and how you interact with them, then they're just naturally going to just drift off because they've hung around for six months. It's been much the same. 
I think that's such a great insight that you've just shared in relation to marketing in general, not just groups, which is that you can't just show up and say the same thing over and over again and not show any of your own development as a person, as a business owner, as the leader of the group or the community, and still expect people to be as interested as they were when they showed up on day one. You've got to bring people on that journey. And yes, I'm definitely not saying that you need to change your business model every five minutes, far from it, or even your niche or your favorite topic that you talk about. I talk about audience growth all the time. But I also talk about the fact that I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly joining different communities, doing different courses, reading different books, making sure that my knowledge is up to date. Because I trained in traditional advertising over 20 years ago. So how much things have changed since then is just absolutely ridiculous. And anybody who runs their own business now or works in marketing now knows that digital marketing changes constantly. And so if I'm not giving people a reason to stick around and demonstrating the fact that I am staying up to date, and if I'm not staying up to date and I'm giving out old advice, then why on earth would they stick around? They'll go and find somebody else, find some other group that is more interesting, more forward thinking and more valuable to them, essentially, is what it comes down to, isn't it? Yeah. And it's the same with growth, isn't it? So your group will grow as you grow. Yes, your growth happens, their growth happens. And it's the same with us. People will say, nobody comments in my group. And I'll say, how many groups do you comment in? And they'll go, none. And I go, well, that's what you get back. So if you're not working towards growth, how can you expect growth? If you're not commenting, how can you expect comments? So, you know, there's definite parallels. A hundred percent. Like in life, (laughs) in general, you get back what you give out generally, don't you? Absolutely. So what made you choose when you started your business? What made you choose to niche down into Facebook groups and online communities rather than maybe a different marketing method? So I was a secondary school teacher. Then I set up a wedding planning business. And then from the wedding planning business, realized that more people were contacting me, asking me, how I became a wedding planner than they were to plan their weddings. Then I met and connected with a lady who was doing courses on wedding and event planning. And then so I put those two things together. Obviously, I was a secondary school teacher, had a wedding and event planning business. So I put the two things together and started promoting and selling courses. And this was really early days of Facebook groups, like eight, nine years ago. So we started using those and then I just got really good at it. And basically, we just honed it, you know, big six-figure launches. And that's kind of how it went. And then other people started asking me, what did I do? How did I do it? I started working for other people for their challenges and their launches as a community manager. And then again, I realized I had so much more to give with my teaching experience. So three years ago, I started teaching their VAs what I was doing, the community managing job, because these were people with big teams. And as I started to teach their VAs over the space of a year, I realized I'd got a method that was repeatable that I could share with other people and then set up my own group two years ago. And that's what I do. Brilliant. And is it mainly clients with big teams that you like to work with? No, the vast majority of the people that I work with, it's about 130 people in my membership, are all the people that run the groups themselves, new to groups, just getting started. Those are the people that I connect with the most. I remember very clearly, you know, setting up my group and what I needed to do and feeling like I was just an ordinary person, which, you know, we all are, doing my thing, thinking that 
I could start speaking to people online. Facebook groups were somewhere I felt comfortable, even though ironically, I'd never used Facebook before. It was the conversational aspect that everybody could join in on and building the community that I liked. So yeah, that's most part of who I work with are people who were just starting out, finding their feet. And really Facebook groups are brilliant for somebody who is not even sure what their offer is yet because you get to grow your business as your group develops and you listen to the people in there, listen to what they're telling you and think, is that something I could help them with? Oh, maybe I could. And and rather than doing it the other way around, which often businesses putting an offer out and then thinking, oh, well, there are people or there aren't. With a Facebook group, you can establish if people need that thing before you even discover what that thing is. Such a valuable source of research. I talk about going detective mode and Facebook groups are so key for that. Even if it's not your own group, hanging out in the right groups filled with your potential ideal customers can be absolute gold. Listening is a huge, very underrated thing for Facebook groups. Completely agree for marketing in general. People don't listen enough. They go forward, more content, more content, more content, more content. I'm like, well, what are you just driving forward with that content? Because you haven't spoken to anybody, you haven't listened, you haven't got involved in a conversation. Don't put more in there until you know why you're putting that post in and what you expect people to reply to it. Every post I put in, there is a reason behind it. And I know what people will reply. And from their replies, I also know where I need to send them. And I'm sure this is a question that you get asked a lot by the members of your membership, your subscription group. But what are your favourite questions to ask when joining a Facebook group? What do you think are the best questions that people can ask to get that level of info they need? Do you mean the three questions when someone joins the group? Yeah, I mean, something about an email address is usually one of them. I don't ask people for their email addresses. I do the reverse and say, would you like my freebie? I don't say freebie, I give it its name. And then I message them with it and it's their choice then. And that automates to collect the email addresses. But a lot of people do collect the email addresses. And I think that is a really good system. I have big Facebook groups that I still work with people who are run purely to collect the email addresses. There's very little activity goes on in the Facebook group, but it's a really good way of us collecting email addresses. So that should be one of them. One of them should be a really good filter. Like only your ideal client will answer that question. So if your ideal client has children, so if that person says they don't have children and you know they're definitely not, so don't be afraid to have a filter and don't be afraid to not let them in if they don't answer it. And you get three questions. So use a variety. So one of them can be multiple choice so that you're sort of leading them and and it's quick and easy one. And I would usually make that the top question because sometimes on a phone, people don't always see them, but they usually see the top question. So they make that one really easy for people to come in, but you can change your questions as much as you want. So I'm a big fan of amending them. So for example, if you do several things in your business, it might be that you have a money question one month. And then the next month, you might be doing something related to tech and you have a tech question and you change it. So if you do know, and you're very clear on what you're selling each month, and I think you should be, then you can change those questions. Yes, I absolutely agree. You should be very clear on what you're selling each month. And you mentioned that some of your clients don't really utilize their groups other than for collecting this email address. But I know that you use your group very differently. How do you decide how much free content to give away inside your group? So my view on free content is that I am the free content. 
So I give very little away for free. Although, having said all of this, I could give absolutely everything I knew away in my group. It doesn't matter how much free content you give, but free content will not ensure anything. It will not ensure they buy your program. It will not ensure you get engagement. For me, the value as such is me and my presence in there and how I interact with you and that I am available. But I am not going to answer all your questions. I do not give anything too detailed away that would be in any of my courses or anything like that. Because for a group to succeed, we need to help people to take action so that they see some kind of reward. If they just sit in a free group and I go live every Wednesday at one o'clock, they become quite passive. So they know that on a Wednesday, one o'clock, I'm going to show up and I'm going to give them a few tips. And they think that's enough. And they begin to believe, well, I'll just sit here and things will happen because Zoe will come in on a Wednesday. And that's not the truth. That is not how it works. So we need to show them that actually you can sit here and I can help you and we can do stuff, but actually nothing will change. To make a change, you need to do something, which is why I don't advocate you having other people do trainings in your free group. Again, that's offering too much. The group is there to start conversation. Anything that starts a conversation is good. Groups don't really need content. So what rules do you have in place or are you very clear with rules? If everything is starting a conversation and everything is okay as a conversation starter, have you ever had a situation where you've had to manage some tricky conversations that people have tried to start? I have in other groups, not in my own. So, I mean, I'm very present in my group. I'm very hands-on. So if there was something that I perhaps thought, hmm, I'm not sure, I would answer it. I mean, you control it. I could answer it. I can turn off the commenting. I can then put my posts up above it so that it drops down the feed. I mean, you can be as proactive as you want around your group, but I rarely have to be. You lead by example. If people know that you're in there and I do go live quite a lot in my group, so they see that I'm present and I think that helps to fast track the relationship. I'm also very transparent. I am all the time talking about my paid offers purely because I'm somebody that likes to just like, tell me what you've got and then I'll decide what I need and I'll make the decision when I need it. But I do need to know what it is you've got available. That's how I like to work. I just go live on my phone as and when. So there's no regular pattern to anything. And honesty is the key to all of this. And do you think there's any type of business that a Facebook group is not right for? Given what a huge percentage of the population are actually on Facebook. So pretty much every business will have potential customers who are on Facebook. But putting that to one side, is there a type of business that you would recommend against setting up a Facebook group? No, although some where the topic is sensitive and people are less able or willing to share is difficult. But we have the anonymous posting now, so that really helps. Some groups are naturally quieter because of the nature of of the topic. So every group does have its own dynamic and you have to own that. And as I say, lead by example, we forget to just occasionally go back in our groups and say, I really like it if you post in here. I'm really happy if you go live. I love it when you comment. I would encourage you to comment because I know when I've joined new groups, you're never quite sure in the beginning what people like or would it be all right if I put a post in or am I going to get kicked out? 
is my comment going to be something which I've kind of missed the mark on and things like that. So the more you're just, again, really honest with people and welcoming, you know, they are your group, they are your people. You should treat them as if it was a real life relationship. You know, you've invited them to your party, your house, treat them the same way. And post-approval, yes or no? What are your thoughts? No, not for me, but some groups, yes. I don't. But if you're not as present in your group and you're worried, I'm really strict on who I let in. That definitely helps. So in what way are you strict? So I don't have any automation on anything. I read everybody's questions myself. I look at their profile for every single person. I check, do I think they're a good fit, even if they've answered the right questions? And then I go through the process of friend requesting them, messaging them and accepting them in. And I do all of that myself. And I think that's really important. Some people are very quick with their auto-approves or very quick with, yeah, let them in, 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 because they're just numbers. To me, they're not. So I am strict on that. And I think that does help. So you don't want to let pages in. If you let pages in, you don't know who are the admins of a page, of a business page. So you could get all sorts of people commenting. I rarely get anything spam related in there. But if somebody answers yes, very blandly to all of your questions, just check them. If they've not got much of a profile, they could well be spam. But I think if you're in your group every day and use your intuition and everything, if you think I've been posting too much about my office, you probably have. If you think there's somebody in my group who's just, their comments are just feeling a bit off, they probably are and act accordingly. Don't be afraid to remove people or just mute them for a bit. Absolutely. Remember that you're in charge. Okay, I have loved listening to you today, Zoe. There have been some really great reminders for me as the host of a group, and I know that our listeners will have loved listening as well. So thank you for that. One final question. If somebody's listening to this and considering starting a Facebook group today, what would you say they should do first to get the word out there? Yes, so they do need to give people a reason to join their group and they need to specifically think what that is. And even if that's just a a two-minute live and they set up an event and say, next week on Thursday, seven o'clock, I'm going to be in my group saying the three things I would never, ever, ever recommend you do, just a little hook, and then promote whatever that event is or that thing for the next week. Just go crazy everywhere you can, telling everybody, putting it on everything you've got. That's also a really good way to work out where you have got other places that you are visible. If you've got nowhere else to share that, You maybe need to look at that as well at the same time and think, okay, I don't know where to start with how I share this. My advice on setting up a group is set it up and just sit with it. Sit with it for a week. Get the head of the banner. It doesn't matter what the name is. Don't stress about the name. People really stress about the name. You can change it every 28 days. People will not find you because of the name. They'll find you via you. So don't worry about the name in the beginning. And just sit with it and just think, oh, I've got a group. I've got a group. And just get used to having a group. And then one day you'll have a conversation with some people and you'll think they'd be perfect for my group. I'm going to just see if they want to come in and that's it. It starts and off you go. I could actually chat Facebook groups all day long. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Because I enjoy being part of a community made up of like-minded people. And I think if you nail that with your Facebook group, then you won't go far wrong. Yeah, it's your special place. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Here's to building special places for our businesses. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you again, Zoe. Thank you. Can we just remind our listeners before we finish up the name of your group, 
where they can find you online. Yeah, Facebook, find my profile and growing a successful online community is my group. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time. And you, bye. Take care, bye. I loved chatting to Zoe for our episode about Facebook groups because I know what a difference having an engaged Facebook group can make to your business. My free Facebook community, the Audience Growth Collective, has over 2,200 entrepreneurial women in there and it really comes alive during my free challenges. So if you haven't signed up yet, make sure you head to the show notes and click the link and don't miss out. I'll be back again next week with another new episode on Friday where I'll be giving you some ideas for things that you can do to make more money during the final quarter of this year. I'll see you then.